Attention patriots. Tired of the tyranny and crime in the sanctuary cities? Flee the city and seek refuge in the American Redoubt. FleeTheCity.com. Move to the freedom of Idaho, Montana, or Wyoming. FleeTheCity.com. FleeTheCity.com. Katie Armor raised the standard. Finally, AR500 steel core body armor that comfortably conforms to the chest and torso. Unique design distributes weight, feeling lighter, increases mobility, and lessens fatigue. Introducing the Combat Quad Bend CQB, a revolutionary plate-forming process that caters to the end user. The CQB is an industry game changer, a must-have for the ladies. Available now only at katiearmor.com, C-A-T-I-Armor.com. Come and take it. You're listening to Resolution Radio. 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 ResolutionRDO.com. Jazz Hands McFeels. This is not Rick Steves. If you're looking for a Rick Steves travel log video, you're not going to get one here. In fact, you're going to get one of the most racist, anti-Semitic travel videos that you have ever experienced. We're going to talk about camera stuff. We're going to talk about the history of this place that we're in right now. I'm going to keep many of you guessing as long as I can until you can figure it out where we are. Uh, we might take a stop or two, or three, or a dozen, to take a look at the view that we have. You're getting a tease of it a little bit here, uh, but it's going to be quite interesting. We have a lot in store today. One of the things we're going to do is go to a shopping mall, which are not dead where I am. They're definitely not dead. They're very much alive, but what we do have to get is some sort of device. I, I, so I'm using a GoPro 10 Hero, uh, and one of the things I forgot at home was the mount for the dashboard for the car. So what I have it on right now is a selfie stick, AKA tripod all in one from GoPro jammed in between the passenger seat. And I've got a fisheye lens on the front of this. It's the max lens from GoPro. Uh, just to give you guys a little bit of a view here in the intro, uh, rain is going to be coming later on today. Uh, so I wanted to get some of this footage in now so that uh, we're not driving around in the rain because who wants to do that um, in a place like this? We're going to try not to get in any accidents uh, while we're here. Um, we might yell at some people. You can uh, hear me yell in a different language, which will be a lot of fun. But people uh, people drive kind of crazy where I'm at, um, but they it's like a an organized type of crazy. Um, it's the type of crazy that someone whose nickname is the Moose might have appreciated so I'm dropping pretty heavy hits here, but just to give you an idea of what this place looks like, we'll, we'll take this out of its position over here and you can see out the window what this looks like. So you're riding shotgun with Jazz Hands McFeels. Oh, we're also gonna talk about politics today. Don't worry. This isn't just gonna be a racist travelogue, but Warren's been asking me to do one of these for a long time. So uh, here it is. Unfortunately, Warren's not with me. Maybe at some point he'll come along. We got a sharp hairpin turn here. In case you're wondering what kind of vehicle I'm driving, 
Uh, it is a Ford Kuga. They don't have these in America. Uh, this one is a four-cylinder turbo diesel. Uh, it gets going pretty good, although there's not many places to go if you get it going. But here, have a taste of that. Almost wrecked into the van going around that turn. But anyway, guys, we're gonna we're gonna take a pause here while I get out of this uh, kind of crazy area, and I'll be back with you momentarily. Okay, we are back, and we are climbing an altitude. Uh, we're approximately 2,000 feet above sea level, uh, and we're climbing, trying to get up over this mountain and then down on the other side. Uh, we are in uh, this peninsula called uh, Punta Campanella, which if you know your geography, you can see part of the peninsula here ahead in the mountains. Uh, this is the peninsula that juts out from the southern part of Naples, Italy, and uh, it extends down the Amalfi Coast to Salerno. Uh, there are a bunch of Greek ruins at a place called Pastum. I may get some footage of that. Uh, we won't have that today, uh, but you will get footage of some Roman ruins. We're going to do that today. Uh, you're going to get to see uh, some places that are pretty interesting. Uh, tomorrow, I will get some footage together of uh, Garden of Caesar Augustus uh, on the island of Capri, um, which is pretty cool. Uh, there's a town down below here. I'm actually going to pause so you guys can see this. There's a town down below here uh, called Nerano. And Nerano gets its name uh, as a summer uh, vacation spot for Emperor Nero, who often gets a bad rap. Uh, you can sort of intuit that various characters throughout history, when they get a bad rap, um, tend to have been enemies of the Jews. Nero was not liked very much. Napoleon was not liked very much. Uh, Adolf Hitler, not liked very much. Uh, and uh, they tend to get a bad rap. Here's another view. Looking out the window here. Um, so we're, we're filming in 2.7K. I may switch camera lenses and get us up to 5.3K. Uh, but I had the fisheye lens in today because if I didn't do the fisheye, you wouldn't be able to see much from the position where the camera is. If I manage to get to a mall before it closes, then we will put on the normal lens and use cinematic mode. Uh, but right now uh, it is 2.7K, 60 frames a second. I apologize for the camera wobble. As soon as this thing gets on the dashboard and uh, I get it attached in the right place, then uh, we will be using a different lens and it will have this uh, sort of I don't know what you want to call it. It's got some sort of technology. You camera fags out there will probably laugh at me, but it's got some sort of technology uh, where it, it stabilizes the image really, really well. If we look out the other side, we have the Bay of Naples out there. So if you're paying attention, the water was on the right and then it was on the left and then it was on the right again. So we are on a peninsula and uh, all along the southern portion of that peninsula uh, are what they call torre, which is Italian for tower. Um, there are a number of them. Uh, some of them are restored. Uh, some of them are in ruins currently. Um, but now I don't remember which way I'm going, left or right. We are going to go right up the hill. Actually, you know what? I wanted to go left. Left was going to have nicer views, but that's okay. Anyway, southern coast of the Punta Campanella. 
uh, is littered with castles, some of the ruins, some of the places that you can stay, uh, to keep out invaders from across the Mediterranean. Um, in fact, the whole coast is, is littered with them. It also, uh, there's a narrow strait in between uh, Capri and uh, this Kempa, or Punta Campanella, um, and so these castles would have been protecting the Bay of Naples as well. Um, and uh, yeah, we're really going to be climbing pretty high here. So uh, we will be driving. Where are we going today? Well, we're going to get to a shopping mall, and then we're going to get on the road down the Amalfi Coast uh, to the town of Positano. We're going to go through Positano. We're not going to stop because it's a boomer tourist trap. Um, you can go look at videos of Positano if you want to. Uh, we're going to go to a place called Minori, uh, which is one of the oldest settlements uh, in this area. Uh, there are some Roman ruins there that we are going to go try and check out uh, before the rain comes. And if we get some of the bullshit out of the way here, we are going to be able to get there uh, in express mode. We have a Ford Fiesta in front of us going on a Sunday drive. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen one of those. But um, you kind of have an excuse to do a Sunday drive around here. Because, I mean, you'll see in a second once we sort of approach the summit of this hill. But it's pretty incredible. I'm going to put the window down. I did some testing earlier. I don't think this is going to disrupt uh, any of the quality of the sound. Um, but you'll see as we round this corner here uh, what this looks like. It is Just stand by. So anyway, I hope you guys are having a good day. I uh, hope you're able to see what I was just seeing out there. Uh, might be going too, going by too quickly, but that's okay. There'll be more. And we're gonna stop some places too. First stop of the day, you have to see this. I switched camera lenses, because this is pretty incredible. I don't know whose driveway this is, but we're gonna just take a peek here. This is, uh, Bay of Naples, you can see Mount Vesuvius there in the background, and over there is the absolutely horrific weather that is headed our way shortly. We're actually going to skip the mall today and uh, hopefully get some sort of attachment later. I don't think the camera shake is that bad. Um, I'll try to get a lot of it out in post, but uh, we might even touch on some of the e-drama, too. Uh, we'll see. Indulge me uh, in my moment of genius. So, I figured out that if you jam a water bottle and the base of the selfie stick into the cup holder together, uh, it actually holds it up and we get a few more inches of height from this thing so that you can see more clearly what I'm seeing as I go along. Check out this hairpin turn as we go around. Look at that. I will even stop talking for a moment so you can take it all in. There we go. Now, the trick is going to be, how do I jam this thing back in here while I'm driving? That's fine. We'll just stop. There's nobody behind us. I'll be the Sunday driver. There we go. Okay. So, we don't need to stop anywhere. Um, we're going to keep on heading downhill here. Uh, these pine trees that you see, uh, this iconic pine tree that is well known throughout Italy um, and across the Mediterranean, uh, is known as a stone pine. Uh, they don't do well in, in climates with colder temperatures. I think uh, they don't do really well with hard freezes. So that's one of the reasons why you don't see them really anywhere else except in Mediterranean climates. Uh, but they're beautiful trees. 
and uh, they actually produce the iconic pine nuts that you'll find uh, on various menu items uh, throughout Italy and, and around the Mediterranean. I personally am a very big fan of pine nuts on, on various uh, types of pasta um, and whatnot. So they're not really as popular in the cuisine, actually. Now, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff today. We're going to talk about cuisine, but it is you're going to be fucking starving. We're going to talk about uh, e-drama, some politics, a little bit of history. Uh, and I had, I dug in kind of the history of this area. Um, I'll give you kind of an overview. I have some details on the Jewish history of this place as well. Um, now, the Jewish history, maybe we'll start there, because I think that's kind of interesting. Um, but Naples, uh, essentially the closest, largest city in, in all of the communities around here, uh, would have been, so I'm going to be a very white guy and let this, eh, no, we'll let him go. Shitty little Fiat Panda. That's all right, though. That's the thing, is uh, people really aren't super into their cars here. I mean, you see some, you see some, you know, Mercedes and Volvos and whatever, but a lot of people are driving, like, older vehicles. Uh, Alex McNabb would be very pleased with the type of vehicles that are driven around here. Like, people that actually need to haul trucks or haul, haul stuff around drive these little uh, Piaggio or Piaggio, however you pronounce it. These little, like, tricycle sort of rickshaw pickup truck things. Um, and they're actually kind of great because they go a lot of places that cars don't, which is one advantage that they have uh, over a car. Uh, they don't haul as much, um, but they are kind of cool. Um, you do see larger pickup trucks, but not really that often. Uh, but I don't want to get sidetracked on vehicles. We could talk about European cars for, for a while, too. Um, but yeah, so much to talk about. Uh, cuisine, so on. But I think we we're going to start talking about Jewish history. So Jewish history of Naples. Um, of course, because it is a maritime city. It's had a long history uh, with the Greeks, the Romans, the Italians, uh, Sicilians nearby. Um, the Jews, for a, for a time, uh, had a presence here. I'm going to wind up the window so that we don't get as much road noise. You guys get nice jazz hands tones uninterrupted by wind. Um, and so uh, there was a Jewish presence here, and there still is. I was actually amazed to learn that in the city of Naples, um, the Jews are claiming that there are only between 180 and 200. That's right. You heard what I said. 180 and 200 Jews total living in the entire city of Naples. Um, and uh, they have one synagogue. And so here's how the Napolitan, at least, were able to whittle down those numbers. Um, and it actually kind of makes sense going back to what I was saying before, like places and people that get a bad rap uh, tend to uh, be places that aren't Jew friendly or people who are who were Jew friendly or have a mixed uh, sort of background on on uh, their relationship with the Jews. So it's kind of interesting with with Naples because you don't really hear about Naples being a kind of a, a place that is a destination and, and you get the, oh, don't go there. There's a lot of crime. Like that's the thing that you get, uh, from the media and, and whatnot. But, uh, it's actually a very safe city. Um, I feel comfortable walking around there by myself, no problem. Uh, and it's, the thing is, is dangerous compared to what dangerous relative to what? I mean, based on 
the story that I read yesterday, the city of Los Angeles set a new record for black murders uh, this year, um, which was over and above and exceeding the record set by the previous year. So uh, while there may be organized crime in Naples, uh, without looking into it, and maybe I'll check some of these facts, uh, but I would, I, would, I would go as far as to say that the violent crime that may exist in Naples is probably due to the influx of migrants to the extent that they've even remained. Uh, so I actually haven't seen that many blacks around um, in, in this part of Italy. You'll see them in the north, obviously, but uh, in this part you don't see that many. Um, and I, I will refrain from the usual uh, Italians or blacks jokes. Um, but they certainly don't want actual Africans uh, hanging around for very long. Uh, and that's one of the advantages of a place like uh, Naples. Not to say that, not to go down the road of, huh, Naples is based, guys. This is the, the new base of white nationalism. No, that's not what we're doing. Uh, oops, we have to stop at a temporary traffic light here. Uh, but it is a place where you have a tight-knit ethnic community of people who are not Jewish, uh, of people who are not um, not even really Christian anymore. What's kind of interesting is, and this isn't a rag on Christians either, but that used to be the thing about Europe, like, oh, it's it's the Christianity that, that keeps these people uh, so tightly knit and so kind of um, sort of uh, not, not really open to outsiders, but when it you know, you can look at the statistics in in Europe and church attendance is, is lower than it is in the United States. Um, and it's been plummeting for a long time. Uh, and in spite of that, kind of the ethnic ties of these communities and sort of the ethnic cohesion of these communities has remained strong. Uh, so one of the narratives is, is oh, you need uh, a religion to sort of hold people together in that way. And that's just not true. Um, because Naples is Naples, whether people go to church or not. Now, Naples has some really beautiful churches, um, but it it does not, it's not a requirement. So that may piss people off, but that's that's just reality. Um, so going back to the Jewish history, uh, because these people, while you go up north in Italy, it's it's more cosmopolitan, it's more uh, more of a tourist trap. Now, certainly the Amalfi Coast and Sorrento and whatever is, is definitely a tourist trap. To the point of like absurdity, like you don't even want to be like hanging around in those places. Uh, this place uh, has had a very long history, been ruled over by uh, different different um, European empires at different points in history. Uh, this area was conquered by the Normans um, shortly after uh, England was conquered by the Normans, um, and so it, it's kind of. Uh, it's kind of got a long history of the Kingdom of Sicily ruling over this for a while. Um, and English were involved, and the French were involved, the Spanish were here, the Spanish ruled over Sicily for a long time. Um, and what's kind of interesting about that is everybody's familiar with the infamous 1492 expulsion of the Jews from Spain. Uh, what people may not be aware of, unless you are somebody who has studied all 109 instances in which the Jews have uh, expelled from various communities. Um, the, the people of Naples uh, did sort of an inquisition of their own um, in the 1200s 
And so what's what's interesting about that is that that was a full 250 years, come on, a full 250 years um, before Spain expelled their Jews. And it was kind of under similar circumstances. Uh, I don't want to make the Catholic Church seem based, uh, but it was in the year, uh, I think, 1240, something like that. Uh, pardon me, this is what happens when I don't have prep in front of me, but... Uh, 1240s. It's, it's, it's close enough. We don't need to. We don't need to be so precise. Um, the people can look it up too. Uh, 1240s. Uh, you had a the Dominicans in Naples uh, began uh, sort of some anti-Semitic uh, publications, uh, rumors spreading around, uh, and it it led to ultimately Jews being expelled uh, from from. Uh, and so they were uh, let back in for a period of time, uh, and then they were completely expelled when the Spaniards came in uh, and were ruling this place for a while because obviously the expulsion had already happened. Uh, the Inquisition carried here. What's funny is that for a period of time uh, of about like 20 or 30 years, when the Spanish, uh, sorry, I'm trying to th think out loud with the chronology here. When the Spanish kicked the Jews out of Spain, many of them fled to Naples. And what was kind of funny is they, they didn't get that long uh, to be here. And so one of the first things the Spanish did when they came here, uh, it kind of in, in, in cooperation with the, the local authorities uh, in Naples, uh, was they essentially made the Jews pay uh, a tax of 300 Ducanti um, to stay. Uh, and then progressively over time raised the amount of money uh, that Jews would have to pay to stick around uh, until essentially all of them left. Uh, when they, they were essentially no Jews here um, from, I would say, about 1530, when the price to remain became too high that all of them left, uh, until the mid-1700s, uh, when, when many of them came back, uh, and there was, of course, if you listen to our FTN deep dives, uh, we've talked extensively about uh, how Jews were mounting a massive worldwide campaign of Zionism uh, in the 17th and 18th centuries, um, and really into the 19th was the was the really uh, the big kickoff of this era, and um, it was uh, in this time that Jews became very powerful. Uh, the, Rothschild, the Rothschild family uh, came to Naples and, and bought a hotel. It was one of the first acquisitions uh, in Naples um, by a Jew uh, in over 200 years. And after that period, um, they, they kind of used, Rothschild used this, this hotel uh, kind of along the harbor there as, as a central organizing place. And ultimately, it, it, became, it became kind of a hub um, until... You know, you can kind of skip ahead to some of the, the, the history there, which I don't have right in front of me. Uh, but the, the takeaway is that World War II came. Uh, there, they estimate that there were 200 to 300 families here, uh, according to, like, synagogue records, which really is not that much, considered, considering how many Italians there are or were at that time and are today. Uh, and they were, you know, they were as part of the... Uh, the ally um, allied relationship with Germany, uh, they were physically removed uh, from this area when they refused to leave. 
Um, so, and they never really came back. In fact, there were more Jews in Naples in the immediate aftermath of World War II uh, than there are today. Uh, so that's how you get down to 180 to 200 total, not families, just total uh, left, which is quite a feat um, considering uh, the populations of Jews in, in other places. And you could say, I mean, a lot of people will say, well, that's because they they won, they conquered Italy, they uh, it was a thorough total victory. Uh, what I would say, and this is my thesis on Germany too, um, and, and a person that I spoke to when I was in Germany recently um, told me that the Germans didn't actually lose World War II, they just came in second. Uh, and I was sort of like scratching my head, well, don't you mean they really came in third, ultimately they lost? But what he meant by that um, was that the, this is true of Germany and it's true of Italy as well, um, is that while Hitler was defeated and uh, Mussolini was defeated, um, what these, and I don't hear a lot of people talking about this, but I think it's an important point to make, um, what what the people, respective, respective peoples of Germany and the respective peoples of Italy uh, gained by... Uh, fighting in that war was the fact that they they put up a fight against Jewish power. They made Jews pay um, a pretty significant price uh, for all of the abuses that had taken place thus far. And pl also, pr prior to World War II, there was a whole history of Jews kicking uh, people out. Um, uh, sorry, there's a whole history of, of Europeans uh, kicking Jews out over and over and over again, culminating in World War II. And so while these countries may have ultimately lost, they, they had to surrender, um, the things, the economic circumstances that led to World War II uh, and ultimately led uh, to, to the outcomes of World War II um, and the consequences for Jews... Jews have made certain that those consequences don't repeat themselves, if that makes sense. In America, it's a different story. Post-World War II, America, because Americans have never really risen up against Jewish power, um, they kind of have pursued a different sort of track uh, with, with Americans, where it's just been an overload of consumerism and easy credit, and just essentially getting people addicted to all of these things and then smothering Americans in it. Uh, in the case of Germany and Italy and, and other pl places, yes, these places are a police state. Um, nobody will dispute that. You certainly cannot say whatever you want. Uh, but what is true for uh, a lot of people in Germany and a lot of people in Italy is that their industrial sectors uh, were not destroyed in the way that America's has been destroyed. Now, I know there are going to be a lot of people who have a problem with that statement. Um, Probably they are people that have never been to Europe, uh, who have not spent more than just like, you know, a tourist's vacation in Europe. Uh, but if you spend time talking to people and you spend time talking to people who own businesses and you understand, at least in Germany, the system known as the Mittelstand, uh, which is essentially the sort of middle, it's the, the easiest way to translate what it means is it's like this middle strata industrialized Germany that is comprised of German businesses that do business in the German language. They pr uh, employ predominantly German people. Um, and even when those businesses do do business elsewhere, 
uh, they are engaged with German-speaking entities, um, and they are German-owned, privately-owned German companies um, that that will not sell out publicly. They will not become publicly traded. They will not yield to being bought out, uh, green-mailed, uh, whatever. Um, and the same thing is true uh, in Italy as well. Uh, that's why when you go around and you interact with people, uh, the people working in the restaurants, uh, both as the proprietors and, and you know waiters and uh, cook staff and whatever, they're Italian. Uh, same is true in Germany um, because these people have demanded uh, a decent job and a decent life and a decent wage and pensions and whatever. Now, Jews, that doesn't mean that, oh, it's great and it always has been and it always will be. Like, they're trying to whittle this stuff away, but they feel like they've had to give these people something, especially in Germany, um, because they've seen what happens if they don't. Uh, and, they, and they actually fear an uprising from people here more than they do in America. Sad to say, I mean, it, it's true. I mean, the people, if you look at studies that have been done, um, people are far more naturally anti-Semitic uh, in places in Europe, um, especially Eastern Europe, especially Southern Europe, uh, than in America. In fact, anti-Semitic attitudes are actually quite low, relatively speaking, in America. Now, that said, they are growing, they are climbing. These same studies show an increase in anti-Semitism in America. So it's something we've been talking about quite a bit. Um, but Americans just don't, uh, because of the size of the country and because of how people are isolated and, and whatnot, Americans just don't have the same kinds of experiences with Jews that uh, Europeans have had. And they've tried really hard to convert the political system in, in Europe into a more of an American style system. Um, to some extent that's worked, to, to other extent it really hasn't. People make a lot of like ham-fisted comparisons uh, between the political systems in America and the political systems in Europe. And that's, that's usually born out of people who really haven't been here or you talk to one person in, in Europe. It's just not the same. They, they've tried very hard to change this and uh, it, it really hasn't worked out. This person in front of me is driving really fucking slow. Um, you don't really encounter this much uh, around here, but in any case. So going back to what I was saying, um, it's this is a place uh, that that really is antithetical to Jews wanting to come and attempt to do what they've done. Because if you think about it, this is a place, like let's just take it at face value, that there are 180 or 200 Jews here, one synagogue. Take it at face value that that's what it is. Let's not argue about the numbers, just say, okay, that's, that's kind of just what it be. Um, so if that's the case, then if you're a Jew, where do you start in a place like this? I mean, surely some of the banks that, that are here that have a presence here uh, have, have Jews involved. Surely the loans that are being made have Jews involved. Sure. Um, but, but where do you begin? Because you can't come in and start buying up uh, alcohol producers because in Italy it's going to be a lot of wine production owned by family vineyards that have been in the same family for 500 years. So that's not going to work. Um, you're going to come and pump pornography at these people. It's like, 
pornography really works well in places where, uh, like America, where, you know, nudity is kind of like scarce and it doesn't really, I mean, here, I don't know how to explain it. I think people understand, you know, like France and Italy and like whatever, like people, like the, the porn problem, like isn't the same as it is in, in other places, um, in, in America in particular, uh, because it's just like sex has kind of a different, a different connotation. There's a black person. First one I've seen, um, but we are kind of heading into Naples, so I'm not I'm not surprised uh, that there is some of that around. Um, I actually don't know what the the black population is um, in this part of Italy. I suspect that there's probably some, um, but I guess we'll see as we proceed forward. Uh, but but going back to what I'm saying, the different vectors for Jews to come in. Now, yeah, again, the people are going to be willing to say like, oh well, this is conquered. It's like, okay, well, so is America. Why is it full of Jews? Why are all the Jews there? Um, why are the, the tricks that are being pulled in America, like, just absolutely in your face, like Jews everywhere on every level? Why isn't there an opioid crisis here, right? I mean, people in Europe will tell you, yeah, opioids have been to Europe, but it's not like it is in America. Like, why is that? What, what is the difference? What have they done? Why wouldn't that work here? Um, and, yeah, it's it's... I don't know really where to where to begin with. It's like where would you where would you start? Um, and I think the reality is it's not that it's based and whatever. It's just that if you came in here and tried to start something new, like a new business, or tried to get like a foothold in, it's like everything is owned by Italians. Even if you were a northern Italian and you came down here and tried to start something, it's like they know that. They can tell by the way that you speak that you're not Napolitan. So, not that they won't trust you, but people will tell you, like, even people from different provinces, it's like, why did you leave your home, right? I mean, sure, they have a mobile which is, if you're familiar with The Godfather, is the, uh, the real estate um, sort of industry or whatever, but it isn't the same as America. Mortgages are not common. People own their homes. Uh, they pass them down, kind of the way that America used to be. Um, but you don't, you don't, you know, you're not born in Rome, and then you go live in Naples. You're not born in Calabria, and you go live in Tuscany. I mean, that's just not what people do. People don't. Get, they're not born in an, in an Italian city, and then just one day uh, decide to go live someplace else. There's also not the phenomenon in the United States of uh, like it is in the United States where people are born in some rural area and then they all have this big dream of going to Rome. Caution. Yeah, caution. Yeah, what's what do we what do we need to be cautious of? Um probably probably our rhetoric, I'm guessing. But um yeah, there's it, it's like there's just not that mentality and they've tried to instill that in people. They've tried to import uh, American democracy. That's what it was always about. Like, just importing American democracy into all of these places. That's why it was kind of pivoted to the third world. Um, it didn't really work in Europe. And so they kind of moved on. Um, that's not to say, again, it's a police state. That's the way that they kind of manage it. But I think they look at it kind of along the lines of, well, birth rates are falling. They're falling globally. And so 
as long as we prevent these people from having a Nazi outburst, then we've ultimately won the long game. And they feel like, I think the calculation is that if they were trying to pull the same things that they did in America, assuming those things even worked, let's just say that they did work. Would that really be... Okay, so we're back. Uh, one of the problems that we ran into was that the camera got too hot. Now, it is 16 and a half degrees Celsius here, which is, I don't know, 70, something like that. Uh, maybe, you know, like 68. Feels warmer than that outside. Um, but I don't know what the problem is. I didn't have the AC on very strong or whatever, but 26 minutes into that, uh, that diet drive about Jewish power in Naples, uh, the camera shut down mid-sentence uh, and said the camera was too hot to continue. Uh, the battery is also at 5%, so uh, luckily I have two more batteries. Um, this is the second, and then we'll have a third. And then that'll probably be all for today, because then we're starting to get into like full podcast territory. Now I'm going to edit some of the footage uh, in that, that I've taken already. I might even put some... Now nah, I'll get in trouble for music. That sucks. I was going to put some music behind it, but whatever. Um, I'll get in trouble for that. But I'm not going to monetize the video either. So, I don't know. Maybe they'll DC it, maybe, anyway. So, we'll see. In any case, uh, hope you've been enjoying the view. We're going to... Caution. Be, yeah, caution. We've, we're still avoiding the shitty weather for now. So, we're going to head over to uh, Positano and maybe, maybe make it over to Minori uh, today. Uh, if not, there'll be more uh, coming along the way. And I might even save this footage uh, from today and combine it with some things over the next day or two and then uh, maybe uh, upload it all together. So I'm trying to avoid putting the turn signal on. Uh, otherwise, I'll end up sounding like a lot of the callers uh, that we get uh, on the call-in shows. Uh, with people in the turn signal playing in the background or whatever. So uh, there's not really much more to say um, about Jewish presence in Naples. I mean, if if we take the numbers at face value, that's got to be some of the lowest numbers that we've seen. It's certainly not that low in Germany um, in other locations. And uh, the only other places where it's gotten that low would be countries like Romania, which also kind of have a historical kind of anti-Semitic um, attitude. Uh, and it's funny, as we've said about Russia and Ukraine and uh, these other countries that are uh, kind of have similar attitudes, it's because of their proximity uh, in their history with Jews. I mean, you don't get anti-Semitism out of nowhere. It doesn't just come from nothing. It, it happens because of prolonged exposure to Jewish power. Now, I would argue that Jews have been uh, the most successful in America um, because they have, I'm going to try to hold the camera steady as I talk, uh, because they have, um, it's such a big country. Everybody's spread out. Uh, since the 1950s, people get most of their news and information from the television. Since the mid-aughts, people get most of their news and information from social media. Uh, they they've done a very good job with propaganda. All the lessons learned from Europe have been applied in America. It's kind of like a fresh start. 
Um, it's one of the reasons why the New World uh, was so attractive for Jews because they get, they got an opportunity to reshuffle the deck uh, and get everybody over here, and, and they had an opportunity to sort of get a leg up on uh, people in America before people in America could react. I think that's kind of the key to understanding the difference is that in Europe, they've always been up against old money um, and in family-owned uh, villages, kingdoms, various entities. Now, they've thoroughly destroyed um, monarchy and everything else, but uh, there, are still, there are still very, very old money in, in Europe um, and families that own vast uh, amounts of property and industry and they've had to cuck somewhat to Jews, but a lot of them haven't. A lot of them have been, demands have been issued to these places and companies and various people. And they just, they don't bend over. Uh, that doesn't mean that they all, like, it's this, this sort of like light switch brain dichotomy where it's like, either you're, you're doing outright Hitler stuff or you are filleting Jews 24-7. Um, there's, there's an in-between, um, and if, and if the whole history of, of, uh, Russia and the Ukraine and everything that's going on over there, uh, can, can sort of shed some light on how that might work, um, you can look at how Putin has, uh, really alienated a lot of the Jewish oligarchs that have been around him. A lot of them have, uh, fled the country. Uh, there was an arrest of Benjamin Rich I saw yesterday. Uh, right outside of Roscosmos, um, and the, the Russians have detained this Jewish YouTuber with three and a half million subscribers on his channel for quote-unquote illegal activities in their country, which is fucking fantastic. Um, and there's not like, you know, there's not like, uh, here's the think guy on how that's working. Like, no, they, this was a guy who, with his Belarusian girlfriend, um, I don't know if she's Jewish or not, but I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, or she could just be like another Jewish rape victim. Who knows? Uh, they were they were in Russian territory and they were arrested and detained. Um, you would think that uh, if Russia were totally controlled by Jews, that this guy would be set free and everything would be fine. But no, that's not what's going on. In fact, I would say that that Russia has done a masterful job of of handling the state of Israel uh, and even Jews within its own country. Um, and it's. Putin definitely has the upper hand in terms of, like, those oligarchs. Um, essentially, he's got them wrapped around his finger, the ones that are left, the ones that no longer had any ability to influence anything and had nothing more to gain, just simply left. Um, people like Abramovich have a lot to lose. Uh, you know, people can say, like, well, they would leave and just by way of magic wand, they become billionaires somewhere else. That's not really how that works. Uh, someone like Abramovich could certainly... Um, leave and tell Putin to fuck off and be very public about it and get get a, a fresh start somewhere else in the world, but he'll never have what he has right now. Um, and I think that's the point. I think people who understand how this works get what I mean. Um, so, yeah, it's... it's This is how this is, has, has sort of turned out. Um, I want to pause for a second because we're stuck in traffic and uh, there's some cool scenery uh, to see. I don't know why I just said cool, but um, yeah, I'm just enthralled by this. So this is not, not a bad place. I don't mind being stuck uh, in traffic. Um, and yeah, this is a very common vehicle that you'll see here. 
This is a uh, Fiat Seicento, uh, which is 600 in Italiano. Um, and these cars are, it's an older vehicle. Um, and people keep them until the fucking wheels fall off. That thing probably has 400,000 kilometers on it, I would guess. Um, most people, most people, I would really appreciate if that thing would stop telling me caution. Caution of what? Caution of cliffs? Are we gonna have a rock fall? Like, caution of what? What's the problem? Um, this commune, in Italy they call them communes or comune, um, cliffside uh, on the Bay of Naples here, in between Sorrento and Naples, uh, is called Seano. Um, and actually, if you look very carefully over there, the mountain peaks that are poking up uh, in the distance is the island of Capri uh, off the coast. So we're heading back down here. Um, I don't know how long this camera uh, footage is gonna last. I don't know if we'll get 26 minutes out of this, um, but one thing I will say is that uh, we will get a decent amount of footage today uh, and hopefully some good commentary too. Hopefully you guys are enjoying this. Um, if you are enjoying this, well, I don't know where this video is gonna end up. It may end up on YouTube, it may not. Uh, but if it is on YouTube, hit subscribe. Hit the uh, like button. First time I've ever said that. Uh, and subscribe to our channel for as long as it's here. Uh, we will be doing live streams from time to time. Speaking of which, uh, I hope everybody enjoyed um, Warren uh, and his father, the, the father, the elder, and the younger uh, Baylogs uh, for covering on FTN uh, for me. I will be back with Warren um, next weekend uh, and, and continuing with the, the new show schedule for FTN, which I announced a few weeks ago, um, where we are going to be just doing one show uh, a week, back to the free fag only, FTN. Um, but that's okay, because then you get more content like this. And who would have thought that this was going to be coming anytime soon? Did you think you were going to get this content from Jazz Hands? Did you think you were going to be riding around shotgun? with jazz hands in Italy, talking about the history of Jewish power in Naples. No, I don't think you did. Um, so if you enjoy this, um, subscribe, like. Uh, we're gonna try to do live streams on this channel until the wheels fall off, and then uh, we will probably switch to Post and Odyssey and whatever. But YouTube is such an easy thing, and we get the super, we get chats. I haven't set up super chats. I might do that, I don't know. We'll see. Um, We'll see whether or not we take donos. Um, but speaking of donos, uh, yeah, pretty interesting developments in the world of e-celebrity. Uh, watch this camera get too hot and shut off in the middle of me trying to talk about this. But but yeah, it's, it's really kind of informative, isn't it? It's kind of like, uh, shall we say, we predicted this. Um, things that are not explicitly aligned toward uh, right interests and in, in, in our case, fascism, um, invariably end up falling down holes of faggotry, degeneracy, corruption, revenge porn, God knows what else. Um, and it just ends up being kind of a shithole. Uh, and so there's not much really more to say about it. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's too bad because I will say this, and I, I did say this on, uh, I was in on the petrol hour with a good friend, uh, Ranbot, um, recently. And I will say this, it, it's too bad 
because I know a lot of these people have been friends uh, in the past. Uh, certainly, I've done live streams with some of these people in the past. Um, I've always tried to approach people in good faith. Um, I, I don't think that I have a hugely negative reputation in the online space. I try to be um, is, is in good faith and, and decent with people as possible. Uh, I do actually relate somewhat to like getting really angry. Um, but being that online doesn't really work out well for anybody. It, it, it's like for anybody who falls into this. And, and I, I say this not as someone who's making judgment, um, but like, you're not going to ever be Vince McMahon. None of us are ever going to be Vince. McMahon. Um, it, and nor do you want to be, uh, I'd rather, I mean, I'm just a humble content farmer, uh, as one of our friends, uh, kindly put it one time. Um, I'm just helping you, uh, farm some content, hopefully enjoy things because if you go out and you try to look at tourism videos online, um, what are you going to have? You're going to have Rick Steves, uh, visits Italy and you go to various restaurants and with Rick Steves and you get the, uh, implicit homosexual, a vibe from Rick Steves talking about his travels and it's just so coincidental that Rick Steves, uh, all of the people helping Rick Steves are uh, are young men. Uh, isn't that weird? Yet Rick Steves is supposed to be married to a woman. It's just like this is your option. Or you get these people like the, uh, there's this couple uh, expat I, I took a look at some videos just to see like what's out there in terms of uh, this kind of stuff and there's, there's this like couple called the expat something. And it's, uh, this, this girl who's like, um, like, so we're in like this place, like, and lots of history, like, um, yeah. And it's just like the boyfriend is got this Australian accent, but totally does not look white at all. And it's just like, this is the gayest shit. Like, why do we, well, there's another, no, that's not a black person. That was an Italian person with very dark skin. You'll have that. We're, we're getting into equatorial regions here, folks. Uh, folks, we're getting into equatorial regions. Uh, these people here, they have a very serious relationship with the sun. Uh, and uh, as, as we all know, um, the, the closer to the equator, the shittier the driving gets. That's how that works. Oh, uh, that would be the policeman on his little uh, moped there. Um, got a few people looking at the camera as I drive by, uh, but that's fine. People are like, what's this guy doing? A lot of people have dash cams. I just happen to have one that I have to hold, so it looks really weird. Uh, in any case, I totally lost my train of thought. Let's check the temperature on this camera. It's warm. It's not too bad. I think it was because I was driving into the sun before. Speaking of relationship with the sun, that was part of the problem. Uh, I don't remember coming down this street on the way here, but that's okay. We will figure out our way back. I'm not directionally challenged. I know which direction the sun is. I know what side of the road the Bay of Naples is on. As long as we head south, we'll eventually see signs for, here's my very best Rick Steves voice, Positano. Uh, and we'll be there on our way. Now, you all will very much enjoy uh, when we get up over the mountain and down into uh, the Amalfi Coast, otherwise known as Amalfitana. Um, be very kind of very interesting if I get stopped by the police for filming as I'm driving. That's okay. We're recording a racist uh, 
travelogue here, guy. Can I continue with my racist travelogue? So, um, yeah, we are going to continue with the racist travelogue. Where was I? Oh, yeah, e-drama. Yeah, it's too bad. Um, some of the personalities that are doing this, uh, that are sort of picking this apart are, are, are amusing. They, they're not without their own baggage, which is unfortunate, but it's, it's not us doing this, which is the point. We just get to sit back and, uh, watch it all happen. Um, and admittedly, I'll also say this. I told Rand about this as well. Uh, I don't, like, I, I actually had to do homework to catch up on this, to even understand what the fuck was going on. Um... I don't really, I'm not trying to, this is, this is not like jazz hands telling you like, Oh, what a good guy I am because I don't pay attention to this stuff. Like I honestly haven't paid attention to this stuff. I'm too busy doing prep for uh, our show and requires a lot of uh, detailed research. As you can tell, I didn't do much for this one. That's why I can't even get dates right. Cause I don't have my prep. Um, but that's okay. I'm sure people are paying more attention to what's going on. Uh, yeah. If you're interested in, uh, fuel costs, one euro 86 per liter. There are roughly three liters in a gallon and the euro and the dollar are almost in parity. I think it was like 1.05 or 1.01, uh, euros per dollar or dollars per euro, almost in parity. So it's like six bucks a gallon. So gas in America is now the same price as gas in Europe. So, but this little, uh, Little Ford Kuga uh, gets like 50 miles per gallon, um, something like that. I'm probably exaggerating. It's probably in the 40s. But diesel get diesel gets really good gas mileage. And what's really gay is this is a really nice car. Um, it like it's probably a thirty thousand dollar car, um, but you can't get this in America. You're not allowed to have a diesel car. Um, very few and far between. I would say even in the the 90s and in the aughts there were more. Like everybody remembers the Volkswagen Golf TDI um, and a few Jettas here and there, TDIs, but you don't get much of that. You can get Mercedes, Blue Techs, and like whatever, but they're just not very common. Um, and I don't know why. I mean, I, I like, I like, you know, you, people say, oh, diesels are sluggish. It's like, well, they are, but most of the ones that perform well are turbo diesels. Um, and this is a little four banger, uh, does 200 horsepower. Uh, it's a little sluggish, but once the turbo kicks in, it's pretty good. Um, and it's kind of all you need. Uh, so, and if you have a stick shift, I purposely didn't get a stick shift because I knew I was going to do, do this. Could you imagine me trying to hold the camera and like shift the gears and like fucking all over the place to show it a suck? But, uh, let's see, temperature check. Oh, it's not bad. I actually have the AC pointed on the camera now, so hopefully this will hold out until the battery dies. But uh, in any case, oh, there we go. I am on the right road. I knew I was. See, this is good. I am the supreme navigator. Do y'all see what it says on the bridge? Sorrento. We're headed back the way we came. Um, so yeah, e-drama. Really not much more to say about it. Uh, and now a, a phrase that I coined a long time ago, don't let anybody else take credit for this, is that in the world of e-celebrity, nobody ever really goes away. Nobody ever really goes away. Um, you can do all kinds of crazy asinine shit. And even with deplatforming and whatever else, um, nobody ever really goes away. Um, because you do sort of cross 
a Rubicon at some point. It's not even a Rubicon. You sort of cross um, a, a line at some point where your fan base is comprised of more hate fans than it is actual fans. And a lot of these personalities that are in the mix on this latest round of V-Drama have long ago crossed that line. Um, whatever you want to call that line. Whatever you want to call it. Um, but they have crossed that line um, and they often don't realize until it's too late that the majority of their fans are there to watch them continue to be a locale. Um, and that's kind of... We're going to be doing a left here because this road sort of just ends. Um, common phenomenon in these older uh, towns in Europe. They can't have a two-way road going through. Um, but that's just how it works. Thanks, guy. I don't even know what the fuck that is. What is that? That is a... Diatsu Perios? Uh, some kind of Chinese SUV? Um... Uh, ching chong, ding dong, get the fuck out of my way. That's kind of where we are. So, yeah. In any case, we don't want to go speeding through the town. But we also don't want to get stuck behind this bus on this long road. So, yeah. Uh, where was I? Ah, yes, I had something important to say about e-drama. So, people never really go away. And one of the reasons that they never really go away is that they're given the false impression that they are popular or that they are still popular. And it's akin to gambling where if you achieved relative internet stardom as an e-celeb, you will continue to chase it uh, and chase it and chase it and chase it. And you'll take a second mortgage out on your house. Um, You will uh, take out payday loans um, and not necessarily financially. Um, You'll take out these loans in the form of goodwill from other people. Uh, And eventually, like, the debt just gets so high that it's unsustainable and and it just cannot be paid back. Um, And and that's kind of, like, where a lot of this is gone. And uh, it's the fact that people never really go away. They kind of stick around forever. Now, the very best advice that I could give for people is there's there's a couple of maxims with this. They never really go away, right? Um, And there are redemption arcs, even for people who have really fucked up. Um, now there are degrees of this, like your redemption arc is kind of determined by like how bad you fucked up and also by how long you go away. Um, and I'm not giving advice to any of these people because it's kind of like, I think everybody knows what I'm talking about. It's gone so far that I don't know what the redemption arc would really look like. Um, but as you dig your hole deeper, it kind of is like the, the, the hopes of a rebound and the height of the arc of that rebound diminish with each shovel full of shit that is shoveled out from the bottom of that pit and flung to the surface. So, uh, but everybody has a redemption arc. But the lesson that people never really learn is that at a certain point you have to just go away. And it's, again, we'll go back to the the gambling uh, sort of metaphor is that people don't know when to walk away. Um, certainly with the uh, certainly with the gambling uh, piece of it, the sooner you walk away from the table, the the shallower of a hole you'll leave, and um, 
you'll start from a better place when you come back. Uh, some people have to work a lot harder at this uh, because they've dug a very deep hole. Um, and I think people get like how, how all this works. A lot of e-bikes are free. A lot of big tire, big fat tire e-bikes. Those are a lot of fun. Um, a lot better than a Vespa. I've ridden a Vespa. I've ridden a Vespa in Italy. Um, we won't be doing any video footage of that uh, because I can't hold the camera and the handlebars uh, at the same time. But it is a lot of fun. Um, zipping in and out of traffic and kind of moving ahead and whatnot. Um, I, I actually feel a lot more comfortable riding a motorcycle or a Vespa in Europe um, than in America. Like in America, it's just like you're destined to be one of those crosses along the side of the road. Um, everybody stops for pedestrians, even Ducati, even Ducati. That was Boomer. We don't want to hurt the Boomers. Oh yeah, there's those storm clouds, guys, coming in hot over Vesuvius. Uh, no Pompeii this time around. Sorry if I'm jumping all over the place with the subject matter. I'm just calling it as I see it. Uh, hopefully I'm able to get back on track uh, very quickly. But um, digging yourself out of a hole. Uh, the sooner you walk away, the easier the task later on will become if you decide to do it. And people, here's another thing. It's a, it's a fact of human nature. Uh, people like redemption arcs. Uh, people like the comeback story. That's why when uh, National Socialism, when it has its comeback, uh, it's going to be one hell of a comeback. Everybody's going to love it. Everybody's going to want to root for the underdog. That's why uh, Jews are very concerned about this. I don't remember which way to go. This is great. I remember which way to go. Yes. Stay to the left. Go on the high road. The better pavement awaits you. So, sun on the camera. No, it's not hot yet. So, redemption arc. Eventually, people can find it. Uh, I don't think either of these people, I would want to have a redemption arc. But, at the same time, I go back to what I was saying before. Which is that a lot of these people that end up in this place, I'm not even talking about our present cast of characters, uh, they, they could have been decent people, but they got off an exit on the highway at some point, and they've been driving around on really shitty roads for a long time with garbage flying out of the back of their vehicle, and uh, really making a whole mess of the countryside. And you, they got to go pick up all the trash and get that goddamn car back on the road, and get headed down the highway again. They got a lot of catching up to do. Um, and some people kind of, once the bell has been rung on certain subjects, it's not possible for them to come back. Um, so that's kind of something to consider if you find yourself in a situation like this. But um, the problem with blood sports and the problem with this sort of e-drama and the, the, one of the biggest reasons why we stay out of it, me personally, and then also uh, me as a part of it, an entity of T TRS, is that e-drama and blood sports really only work out well. What the fuck are we doing? Oh, I hate the auto shut off shit in these cars. I don't even know what kind of truck that is. It's got like a hammered metal appearance to it. It's kind of cool. But it's also going very slowly up this steep hill. Uh... Not a garbage truck on a Sunday. Sunday. Um, but yeah. A lot of the reasons why we stay out of this stuff 
uh, is because it, it's, you know, people think, oh, it's not good for your brand. It's not good for this, it's not good for that. It's just better to keep your nose clean. All of that's true. All of that's true. I'm gonna try to leave this camera sit here for a second and go around this guy. See, really low end fucking torque, not a lot of good, good acceleration with this thing, but um, one of the biggest reasons to stay out of it, and it's the phenomenon, certainly with this current cast of characters, um, is that it works really well to, to, to do blood sports and e-drama and whatever, as long as you have external entities to own and flex on. And there's some gas in the tank for you to sort of run that engine for a while. And it works for a little while. And that's kind of the fake sort of element of it. It's not fake. It's they're legitimate entertainment from watching kind of external people that are universally disliked get owned. But sooner or later, people externally catch wind of what your game is all about, and they don't want to have any part of it. And in order to continue chasing the high, the previous high that you had before, you have to start going after people internally. And that's where the cannibalism begins. And you think you can get away with it with some people that maybe are universally disliked internally. Start picking at the threads of things and you start pulling and tearing and eventually the whole thing unraveled. Uh, but when you start cannibalizing to the point where you start going after your own co-hosts, your own friends, and you sort of don't really understand what a friend means. You don't understand what trust means. Um, you're sort of caught in the delusion of of your myopia. It's a word I use a lot, but it's very true. Myopia means nearsighted. means that um, you don't have the ability to see long distances. Um, in other words, you have blinders on. You're very myopic. Um, this is a a tendency of, of extremely online internet personalities to be very myopic um, because they don't interact with people who aren't also extremely online internet personalities. So they don't really have um, good points of reference outside of that kind of a ecosystem. And so they triangulate, they judge, they they sort of make assessments, they analyze situations uh, kind of based on really bad data, bad data, uh, bad information, and uh, it sort of doesn't lead to good outcomes. So it, it's when you when you sort of marinate in this for, for a long period of time and then you start to cannibalize uh, everything around you, sooner or later, it's just going to lead to bad results. And so that's why we've always stuck to substantive commentary, um, talking about historical events. I mean, FTN specifically has always rooted itself in trying to get to the bottom of, of uh, various pieces of history. Not to, this is where we get a bad rap from people who don't understand what we do, or bad actors who are trying to intentionally undermine what we do um, because they feel threatened by what we do. Um, and it is to get to the bottom of these historical events and learn from them and not repeat the same things over and over and over again. Because when you look at history, sure, 
it's Jews repeating the same mistakes over and over again. They continue to get kicked out of different places and they learn and they evolve and they try to do it better each time. Um, but if we're opponents of Jewish power, then we also have to learn from our mistakes and not do the same thing again the next time and the next time and the next time. And one thing that I noticed in, in kind of looking into this history is that because so much of the information that we receive is controlled by the entities that have a lot of power over us. Um, we are starved of information and this starvation of information leads us to repeat the same mistakes. Um, and people apply like very simplistic rubrics to things uh, that don't always yield the correct results. Um, and I've made mistakes. I've gotten things wrong. That's why we're here, right? We're, we're, none of us are perfect. None of us uh, get everything right all the time. Um, but I think it's important uh, to sometimes have to take in not so pleasant, not so comfy information so that we learn from it uh, and and do better the next time. Um, and that's always been kind of the charter of, of FTN is, is figuring out what the truth is and moving forward, triangulate, move forward, triangulate, move forward, lather, rinse, repeat over and over. So as well as trying to be informing and entertaining, because it, it can't all just be like rote uh, kind of historical research and, and stuff like that. So we've tried to make things funny. We've tried to make things evergreen. Uh, we try to do things like this. And as far as I know, I think we're breaking new ground uh, here. Now, the, the drive while podcasting thing Jesse has done I know, you know, Prep in the Car has been doing this for a long time, uh, Prep in the studio and whatever. Um, but I'm, I think I'm combining uh, a couple of different genre here uh, into one thing. And people, there's something mesmerizing about going in a car ride. I've always enjoyed being a passenger in a car, especially in a beautiful place, uh, especially in a place like this where the, the weather has managed to hold up. Um, and uh, I think it's kind of enjoyable. Uh, so... You know, I like the the live stream concept as well, and I'm getting more familiar with OBS, so I think we're going to have uh, more of that, and also be able to, to to display some of the graphical things that we talk about. People have always been asking us about uh, articles and sharing the articles and whatever. We're going to do more of that. I think it's really helpful. Um, part of the excuse for why we haven't done more of that sooner is that I've always said. You know, it's kind of myopic of me, actually, to assume that everybody consumes content the way that I do, which is usually just with headphones. I don't really watch the video, um, but not everybody does that. A lot of people are visual. Now, the problem, the downside, though, of doing live streams um, with heavy, uh, leaning heavily on sort of visual aids for the discussion is that the people who do consume podcasts... Uh, the way that I do, then we'll be sitting there listening and hearing us describe things that they can't see. So you kind of have to strike a balance. Um, but we'll, we'll try to do our best at that. Uh, so, but in any case, somebody could listen to this without actually seeing. But then you're you're missing out because I'm going to upload this in 4K uh, if I can. Uh, well, 2.7K. I think that'll be the max. But that's good. This will look good. Hopefully it's not too much of a fisheye effect. Um, in any case, we're going to get up over the hill and uh, we are going to head on to Positano 
and I will check back with you guys here as soon as we get a little bit closer to our spot. As we're back, brief interlude there, uh, very beautiful views coming as we're heading down the hillside here, cliffside I should say, uh, into the Bay of Amalfi. I'll admit that I had to consult my prep cheat sheet as I was pulled off to the side of the road in order to make sure that I get the facts right uh, about the legend here of the Bay uh, of Amalfi, uh, which is, I'll probably screw this up, and and uh, Greek and Latin Spurgs can correct me. Oh, this is a roadside uh, shrine. I see this frequently. Uh, now, on this side, you have the Bay of Naples. We'll go around another couple hairpin turns, and you can see the weather is really shitty over there. Um, another couple hairpin turns here down the hill and the beautiful blue on the other side here if I can get this up high enough is Amalfi and the Mediterranean Mediterranean on both sides so we're on the peninsula remember, for those of you in Maria Rhinelander peninsula means water on both sides and the camera got pointed out very gay. But so far, the camera shit hasn't been that bad. Hopefully not too um, waving all over the place. I promise I won't apologize for the quality of the uh, the movie film uh, anymore. Sorry for the Borat reference, too. I always forget that, that Sasha Baron Cohen is just a filthy, nasty, disgusting, Holocaust-obsessed Jew. Um, and Borat is not in any way funny. Um, because it is a joke at your expense and your expense exclusively. Uh, but yes, let's get, as these cars slow down, the view out the window. Yeah, this weather is going to get shitty really soon. Um, but that's okay. We'll get enough of this and, uh, hopefully people will want more this. Maybe nobody will want any more of this. Um, and that'll be that. This will be the only uh, video that I do. I don't know. Where is this person turning? Oh, we don't know. Where is this person turning? Is he turning? Is he going to weave along until he finds a place to rest his weary Vespa wheels? Well, we're not going to find out because we're going to go around. Um, so, yeah, that's the nice thing. Vespas pass you, motorcycles pass you, you pass them. There's a white line in the middle of the road, but it doesn't mean do not pass. It's sort of just there to make sure you stay where you're supposed to. But sometimes these roads are so narrow that kind of the driving style that emerges is that, especially when there's not a lot of traffic, uh, this is not one of those roads, by the way. Um, but on narrower roads, uh, people just kind of drive in the middle until they see another car. Because if you think about it, it's much more efficient to drive in the middle, stay on the insides of turns, um, and and then you just sort of make your way. And if somebody comes, you move out of the way. That might drive people who have learned to drive a different style kind of crazy uh, because you feel like somebody's coming at you head on, but you just have to have your shit together. Uh, and you usually don't, I will say this, commentary on driving. Uh, you usually don't see people with their thumb up their ass 
speaking of e-drama, uh, people with their thumb up their ass or someone else's ass. Um, but I digress. People, you don't see the usual like American bullshit where people aren't paying attention. Um, like right now I have a Range Rover like right in my rear view because he's trying to go around. This Alfa Romeo is not going fast enough. Um, and we got a bunch of sharp hairpin turns and everybody wants to go around. Um, and he will eventually. I'm not because I don't want to come head on to somebody on the inside of a turn, which would be bad. Um, but you don't see a lot of wrecks. Insurance is not high. Um, and that's usually because people own their cars. They don't have a car payment. So they're more likely to take care of it. They drive it for a long time. Uh, it is not a car country in the sense that people give a shit like what they look like driving their cars. Now you get exceptions like the guy behind me. I'm sure he cares very deeply about driving around in a white Range Rover. Um, but most people kind of don't give a shit. And when you see dudes driving around in like a Fiat Panda, some of which are four by fours, by the way, it's like a Alex McNabb approved utility vehicle is like a four wheel drive Fiat Panda from the nineties. It's like all blocky, but it can go down unpaved roads and get in and out of places really nicely. It's, it's the smallest four by four vehicle that I've ever seen. That's like road or, or street legal. They're pretty cool. Uh, Alfa Romeos are pretty nice too. Uh, they're starting to make a comeback in, oh, thank God this guy's going in America. Um, narrow passage here. Uh, but yeah, they are making a comeback in America. Uh, none of them are really guy cars. Like, what are they in America? The Stevio and the Julia. Um, they're okay. They're not really my favorite. Uh, but one thing you'll notice on like Alfa Romeo and Skoda, these different vehicles and uh, Peugeot and I forget the one, maybe it is Peugeot with the, like the lion or that is this a Renault, I, forget, I think. Oh, it don't matter. It doesn't matter. There's a, people get where I'm going with this, I think. Is it's kind of interesting, you know, you, you get brand association and uh, on Alfa Romeo and Skoda, they kind of have, they look like um, a royal crest, the logo, if you've ever looked at them. Um, and to that end, so do like soccer team emblems. It's like a, it's like a Royal crest or a coat of arms, uh, which is kind of hearkening back to an earlier form of kind of nationalism or ethno nationalism or even like regional nationalism or whatever. Uh, and I think that's, they designed those logos because that's what appeals to people, even though a Skoda or a, um, Renault or Peugeot or uh, Alfa Romeo, they don't have anything to do with your nationality. I mean, other than maybe where the car is produced and maybe to that extent, there's some pride there. Look at that. Look at that. But it's just kind of another thing. Like in America, they just do sports ball and stuff. All right. So here we come. This is, this is kind of classic. Uh, Amalfi Coast, the beginning of it, the official beginning of it. I would argue that this roadway is uh, certainly more exciting than Pacific Coast Highway in California. Uh, I could pull over and stop here and show you guys a view, but we'll, we'll do that in a second. Um, 
Granita di limono, limone. Yes, if you want orange juice and lemonade mixed together, you can stop at one of these roadside stands and get one. They're really good. Um, water is very calm today, very placid. Uh, last few days have been very rough, very rough seas. Um, if you're familiar with uh, maritime measurements, uh, you had four to five foot seas, um, which would equate to one and a half to three meter roughly seas. That is not the type of water that you want to go out in a boat in, certainly not a small one. Um, typically they would have a small craft advisory uh, in effect in America with seas uh, that choppy. Uh, you're getting tossed around pretty good. But today there's, uh, I would say that less than a foot, foot or two. Um, seas are pretty calm. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking for a pull-off where there aren't any people. That one has a woman in a hijab. Um, but I'd like to pull off and show you guys a view and continue talking. Um, but that would be kind of weird, especially given some of the subject matter, uh, if they're actually people. And I fear that the further we go, the more likelihood there is going to be of people at each one of these pull-offs. But that's okay. That's okay. I don't even need to talk. I think people would even just enjoy the view without me talking. Would you rather have music? No, we can't do that because we'll get struck with the DCMA. Um, no, you wouldn't have music. Well, that's an interesting parking job. People get very creative with the parking around here. Uh, every once in a while, you'll see steps like this going up. Somebody lives up there. Somebody lives up there. Uh, they typically co collect their rainwater pump the septic tank. I don't know what they do for electricity, but you can even see somebody up above here has some sort of uh, living quarters up there. Um, but uh, yeah, before I forget, the the story of, of these cliffs, which very far drop to the Mediterranean from where we are, uh, you'll get a view of that here shortly, uh, goes back to the 8th century BC uh, with... Odysseus or Ulysses um, was uh, approaching the coast in his ship and uh, heard the sirens call, uh, famous kind of component uh, of Greek mythology, the, the sound of the sirens. Uh, and he told his crew to plug their ears um, so that they would not uh, hear the sirens call. He ordered them to um, lash him to the mast of the ship uh, and he was the first person to ever survive uh, the call of the siren um, and then uh, this is the part of the story that I'm probably going to screw up um, but the gods of Olympus they, they intervened and they prevented him they didn't want him to have a shipwreck because he was sailing toward uh, the, the coast here uh, and when his ship collided with the coast uh, it essentially created these cliffs. That's the, that's the story anyway. Um, here's a boomer bus. Gotta wait for the boomer bus. All hail the boomer bus. All right, let's go. Three boomer buses. We're gonna make it, we're gonna make it. Go, 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 go. Got him. So, now I could be an asshole and drive really fast. That's a really dumb looking scooter. I don't know what those are called. Guys, do you know what those are called? Those scooters with the two front wheels? That guy was doing really sharp, really sharp turn with that thing. Looked really precarious. Not interested. 
no thank you. Uh, no thank you. Um, see, that's the story. See, now once I tell the story, it's like now I, I can't move on. It's like you have to have a disjointed tangent. can only exist if you have something to actually say. Um, but once you've already said the thing you need to say, then you run out of things to say. Now I have more to say. Um, yeah, this, this coast uh, has a lot of, I think I said this in an earlier clip, a lot of uh, torres. I don't think we're going to make it to the Roman ruins today. The, uh, the weather is not cooperating, uh, and I don't want to continue driving south for another 30 kilometers along this road and get slammed by the weather coming up over the mountains, um, which actually looks kind of cool. Yeah, look at this, guys. This is amazing. So you can see the people across the way. In fact, I'm going to pull over here. So yeah, this is awesome. This is a beautiful view. And we can put this out a little bit. Look at that. And you can see, as I point this camera down, this is a really far drop. I would say that we're 2,000 feet up. That little speck down there is a sailboat. And then you can see kind of poking around the edge of the mountain is Positano. Further down is Ravella. Around the bend is Amalfi. Uh, then Minori. And then the port of Salerno. Uh, and then you're kind of into the southern regions of Italy at that point. And in fact, you can see them. Um, what you're looking at there, if you can see uh, the outlines of the mountains kind of sloping off in the distance, uh, that is actually the boot. That is the tip of the boot of Italy, um, kind of curving around. And the very far edge uh is actually part of Sicily sticking out. You can see Mount Etna um, in the very edge of Sicily, kind of behind all of that. Um, Mount Etna would be the most prominent peak there. Um, but yes, the water is a very beautiful color green. Um, and just, this is absolutely beautiful. And the bad weather is on the way, so. Yeah. Just kind of let you guys take this in. Okay, back on our journey. Uh, we don't have much as a carabinieri. Uh, probably not going to bother me. But uh, we don't have much more in terms of battery, unfortunately. We're on the third battery. Oh, I got something like 40%. The camera is, I would say, moderate warm temperature. The takes toward the end of the video here have been moderately warm, uh, not scalding hot as they were before, uh, just moderately warm. Um, so I don't know, we might, battery might beat us, camera temperature might beat us. I have the AC pointed at the camera, um, but this is a very beautiful part of this drive. We've got a bunch of hairpins here, um, a lot of, uh, twists and turns. They have very well-maintained roads, I'll say. Farter, far better than America. 
Oh yeah, I've never got a chance to talk about this. Uh, roads in Europe. Oh, there's a cyclist. I'm sure McNabb would love riding this. The elevation changes are, are pretty great. So we talked about the e-drama. Um, that's not really going to go away, although I feel like this is the grand finale in terms of uh, the fireworks with that. Um, but I think the overarching point with that, let me, let me just tie up some loose ends. We got to keep focused on the task at hand. Uh, and quite honestly, as entertaining as these things are, and as big of distractions as the people who are at the nucleus of these explosions um, are as well, Jews are sitting back and laughing and making a big mockery of this whole thing. Now, that's the, on the one hand. On the other hand, um, these are also regime-approved puppets, one in particular uh, that is in the process of being uh, deleveraged, divested from whatever you want to call it, because that didn't work. So if you're looking for a silver lining, uh, what they thought was going to be a, a winning formula of um, a uh, of a kind of a Hispanic of questionable sexuality, you know, like LARPing as a, as a Christian, um, that was going to be, that was like a, that's a golden ticket for the GOP, right? Uh, no, that's not going to work. They're not, they're not going to do that. And you can speculate why too much baggage just didn't work out. I don't really know. Um, but it's obvious that that's no longer, um, what they're interested in pursuing. Uh, so that's kind of all there is to that. Um, but I think, I think one of the things to recognize with these things is there was nothing ever real there. Um, a lot of that culminated in January 6th. A lot of people are in, in prison as a, result of, as a result of January 6th. And uh, it, I don't know, like it feels like really gay actually to be talking about this stuff, this beautiful scenery, um, especially if you're seeing it for the first time. Uh, so let's tie up that loose end. Don't get distracted by this stuff. That was a very European bus horn. Buda, buda, da, 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 da. Um, European ambulances are kind of a cool sound too. Uh, I actually don't know where that road goes. Probably somewhere I don't want to go. Um, anyway, a lot of the Amalfi Drive is like looking back on where you just drove. Like we just drove down that way and now we're going this way. Pacific Coast Highway is very similar. Uh, now we're kind of weaving into some of the kind of upper area of Positano, of Positano. Um, and it's a, it's a beautiful village. Um, something that's very similar to this would be the, uh, uh, the Cinque Terre, which are up in Northern Italy. Um, just the five sort of villages perched on the hillside there. Now we're going to get into some very challenging driving. Um, if you've ever might even get scraped, might even bump a mirror over here. Um, but I, I have the advantage of being behind this gigantic bus uh, who is going to kind of make way for me. Um, this could have been a mistake. Maybe it was better to cut bait and run back there because now we might get slammed by weather. There's some sort of person of mysterious ethnic background. Um, yeah, if you have a little Fiat Cinquecento or Seicento, you can get through anything. Um, 
one of the reasons why people drive them. Even that Mercedes is like an A-class. It's like a tiny little fits through anything. I guess one of the downsides to being behind the bus is that you like piss everybody off. Like you're part of the train of pissing everybody off. Um, yeah, fat guy in a Vespa in a bubble coat. It's like 70 degrees out, guy. Like what's going on there? Are you having blood flow issues? Um, there's a large SUV. Yeah. Still overwhelmingly white, fam. Um, yes, I realize I'm in a vacation spot, but earlier in this drive, I was not in a vacation spot. I was actually in um, some of the more gritty areas of Naples. Um, not the grittiest, not the darkest, but uh, certainly not tourism centro. Uh, and uh, still pretty white. Um, and uh, it's not bad. And, I, and I'm very well aware of the sort of relativism that people do. Um, it's not as bad as where I'm from, therefore based. No, I'm not doing that. I'm just saying that uh, they have not succeeded at browning this as quickly as people think. Um, I think a lot of the videos that we saw in 2015 with open gates and all that stuff, um, a lot of that was to get you excited about kosher fake nationalism in Europe. Um, and Yes, there is a migrant problem in Europe. Nobody is disputing that. Uh, but a lot of the the idea that these towns were being overrun and destroyed by migrants, um, maybe there are places that that's happened. Certainly France and, and England are just totally slammed by this. Uh, oh, my God. This is... Okay. Yeah. This is what we don't like. This is what we don't like. Let's get luggage from underneath. Oh, there's a nice Porsche. That is a very nice Porsche. Um, but like no emergency signal. It's like, what are you doing, guy? Oh, camera's like turned. It's cockamamie direction. But yeah, it's very, very narrow driving in here. Um, now that we're free of the bus. What's cool is you have these kind of little shops kind of tucked into the hillsides. A lot of things are closed on Sunday. Some things are open. Uh, a lot of things are closed. What's interesting is like people think of Italy as a very uh, Catholic country, uh, and it is. Um, but it's also very mercantile in the sense that a lot of things are just open on Sunday. Uh, whereas Germany, uh, which is somewhat of a Catholic country, but not totally a Catholic country, thanks to our good friend Martin Luther, um, they actually, I would say that they follow a everything is closed on Sundays rule a lot more thoroughly than Italy. Uh, even in tourist areas, stuff's just closed. People are take it very seriously. They're just not going to work on Sunday. Um, and some of that has to do with the sort of like higher value that's placed on workers' rights and workers it's like even if the store owner wants to be open on Sunday, the workers don't want to come to work on Sunday because it's the time to spend with their family it's kind of closing the loop on this piece I don't have anything more else to say about e-drama um, let's talk about happy subjects. People spend time with their families on Sunday uh, here and that has more staying power than religion does because people are going to get together 
for Sunday dinner and activities with their family on Sunday, whether there's church or not. Um, because the community pre-existed the church. It's been that way. In America, a lot of the community has been built up around the church. So when you take the church away, the community falls apart. When you flood the community with blacks, the community falls apart. Um, when you have strong community ties and strong ties to the land in form of heritability, um, does that work for, I know that works for genetics. I don't know if it works for like land heritability, heritable traits, heritable land, I guess it does. Um, maybe it doesn't, it doesn't matter. People know what I mean. The meaning is conveyed correctly. Um, then the community is harder to break down. And so even though they tried to do it, they did not succeed. Um, it's kind of like America fighting a war in a place like Afghanistan. All the bombs, all the military hardware, all the intel, all the gay ops in the world could not succeed at defeating Afghanistan because those people have been living in those mountains for thousands of years. Um, very deep rooted. Uh, they cannot get them out no matter what. And so I look at the cultural war that the Jews have attempted to wage on parts of Europe in kind of the same way. Unless they just openly start exterminating people in Europe, um, you're not going to get the person out of this house, right? If that house, which is 100 years old, has been owned by the same family and the land was owned by that family before that house existed because there was another house owned by that same family there before. And those people aren't selling. And there is no, what is it? Kilo versus New Cane, whatever. Then you're just not going to get people out. You're just not going to get people out. Um, and when you have entire villages that are like that, what are you going to fucking do? Especially when it's in these cliffs. We're in the middle of buildings and cliffs. What are you gonna do to get, get these people out of there? They're not going to leave. Um, and so that that's, I think, where they've just hit an impasse. They've done the EU, they've uh, got control of the financial system, and they're just gonna slowly bleed these people to death uh, through a war of attrition via birth rate collapse. Um, but I see a lot more babies over here than I do in America. Um, and that's because I think a little bit of the community uh, has been maintained. People still are doing tourism. Um, people are still coming here. So people whose businesses have depended on that economy um, are able to have a decent living and have a few kids and whatever. And those kids will inherit whatnot. Um, but uh, it's kind of interesting. People ask the question, it's like, well, what happens in the case of, let's say you're an Italian family or a German family, but we're in Italy, we'll still talk about Italians. Let's say you're an Italian family and you own uh, like a motorcycle repair shop or something, and you don't have any sons, and your daughters aren't really interested in taking on that trade, nor would you really want them to be. Like maybe they go into something else. Um, when you have a close-knit community and sort of extended families that live in those same towns and villages, uh, typically what's done is your nephew will then take over the business. Um, 
you work out some sort of uh, trade with him or you train him to take it over or whatnot, or uh, he takes it over and then pays you, um, you know, something to uh, survive and, and live on until you, you die. And your, your sort of commitment to your uncle is to continue to make sure that the business remains uh, solvent and, and doing well. And it usually works out pretty well because you don't have other people coming in and, and, and acting like vultures. Uh, another thing uh, that's kind of interesting phenomenon about how this works so much better is when you talk to people in America about like what is a successful business model, everybody, especially like Zoomers, they all think that all businesses in America should be bootstrap, startups, get venture capital, infinite growth, infinite profit, sell to big company, and that makes you a successful business person. In Europe, in Italy, and in Germany as well, what makes a successful business uh, is one that takes care of its employees. Like in America, your first duty is to your shareholder, right? That's always the, the definition of business in America. Um, in, in Europe, it tends to be your first duty, duty is to the people who work for you. Because if you don't take care of them, they're not going to take care of your business and your business is going to fail. And ultimately, your business is supposed to take care of your children and their children's children. And you build a good business reputation, not because you want to have clout and five stars on Google reviews and Yelp and fucking whatever else. It's because your grandchildren are going to depend on the reputation that you built in your business to carry them forward as they run the business. And the business is not designed to have infinite growth. Um, it is designed to sustain that family, sustain that family in the form of their family home. They have property taxes here. How do you think they have to pay for them, right? Send kids to school, expenses that come up, whatever. But ultimately, it comes down to taking care of your family, family first. Um, and so how do you break that? How do you break that down? It was so much easier to do it in America because for, for most people in America, uh, myself included, your proposition in America was coming to another country, at least our ancestors came to America because they got fucked by some sort of Jewish financial scheme in Europe and they came to America and tried to start a new life because they got just utterly frustrated with, with what how things were going in Europe 100, 200 years ago. The problem is, with all of that, um, is that they don't have any roots here. And everything that they do, from indentured servants to people who came over here, is, is over here, over to the United States as poor immigrants, is predicated on like getting a foothold and building something for themselves uh, but ultimately never really establishing the kinds of roots and ties that they had in the old country. And I've said this before, but at this point, for most people, would you be better off if you had just stayed in Europe, if your family had never come to the United States at all? And I don't say that as some sort of like Europhile, like, oh, it's better than America, this is how I feel. But just think about this from the perspective of like, your ancestor they left 
Now, if they came to America and built a, a business and you're the beneficiary of that business and it's been in your family's hands ever since they came to America, then good for you. Many, most people can't say that. And most people can't stay, say that they stand on firm financial ground um, 100 years on, 200 years on. So the question is, would it have been better for you to ride it out in, in, in Europe? Because the people that stayed in Europe maybe had to weather some tough, lean times. But they have, they have something that is a little bit more tangible and more difficult to take away. Now, I would argue from the big, big picture that everybody's kind of in the same boat. And we're all going to have to make a stand against this at some point. Um, but that's, I think, one of the key differences is that unless you came to the United States and you built something fast enough and that was not green mailed away, it wasn't taken over, it wasn't destroyed by the ups and downs of the Jewish economy, then you're a very rare form indeed, if that's the case. Uh, but there just aren't that many families like that. And the, and the families of those, or the people that are in members of those elite families, either they are in the process of being bought out, they have been bought out, um, or they're allowed to exist, but they have to essentially pay the piper. Um, and that's ultimately how this is unfolded. So, in any case, we'll do more compare and contrast uh, in the future. I'm very pleased with the quality of this road surface. Excuse me. I'm also pleased with the uh, the fact that we haven't gotten totally screwed by the weather. Um, but I think that's about all for today. Uh, I'll have more political commentary next time, but... I wanted to give you guys some historical background. Uh, I'll save some of the more Roman history for when we actually look at Roman ruins. Um, hope you guys in, enjoyed the tour. Part of the Amalfi Coast, some of Naples, Bay of Naples. Um, and uh, there will be more of this on the way. Hope everybody had a good weekend. Check out Elder and Younger Baylog, And we will catch you guys sometimes there is an encore and it's actually kind of poetic i'm not sure exactly where we are but as we round this bend we're going to go through one of these iconic tunnels that goes around one of the bends here i'm sure you, if you've ever seen images of the amalfi coast you see stuff like this all the time very cool old very old tunnel as we go through and i think we go through around this corner and through the top of this town. I think this is Ravello, uh, but I can't remember. It doesn't matter. It don't matter. Anyway, that's all the encore there is. I got to find a place to do U-turn. We're out of batteries and we're out of time. So catch you guys later. Listen to Resolution Radio, 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 ResolutionRDO.com. You produce your own music and want to market it successfully. Your solution, Fire.com. 
This is how digital music distribution works. Register, load up song, and earn money. Fire.com takes your music into over 300 download portals. For example, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, or Beatport. Register now and take off with Fire's professional music distribution. Load up your music. Have we realized the assault against our lives, our liberties, our faith? To defeat this assault, Christians and all people of goodwill should have strategies to prevail in our faith and principles, which are simple. No need for a complex formula. One goal, one aim. A strategy like the heroic Christians of the past. We win they lose nothing less big q little q the calm before the storm by a friend of megagoria the strategy of heaven revealed big q little q the calm before the storm available on amazon.com or by calling caritas in the u.s at 205-672-2000 205-672-2000. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest price filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, Get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. We are the American Freedom Party. This is the most urgent time in the history of Western civilization. In the year 1900, white people of European descent comprised 35% of the world population. Today it is less than 9% and falling fast. Europe is being overrun with Middle Eastern immigrants, and America's founding stock is rapidly being replaced with third world peoples from around the globe. For the last 50 years, every influential institution in this nation, our schools and universities, our media, our churches and our employers have promoted policies and principles that teach whites to be ashamed of their great heritage and birthright. We, who in the 1950s, the 1960s, and 1970s were the world's dominant force, are now so afraid of being called racist that we were quailing towards irrelevance and extinction. Join the American Freedom Party today. Reach us at theamericanfreedomparty.us or call us at 701-317-5317. Paid for by the American Freedom Party. 